Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm without my trusty co-host, the Ginger Bow Hunter, today because uh, he's at work, and the rest of us cool kids are out here on like a like midday on like a Wednesday or whatever it is or Thursday, talking about deer hunting. So I have got two killers on the phone with me. I've got Mr. Damon Bungard. Damon, how are you doing? Good. Nice to be on again. Yeah, yeah. So this is your second time on. The first time you're on, 
I was in our Western series. We were talking mule deer hunting, uh, which is right. an excellent episode if anyone wants to go back and find that one. And then, of course, we've also got Mr. Michael Pike, good friend of the podcast. You've heard him a whole bunch of times. Michael, how are you? Good, man. How are y'all? Pretty good. Pretty good, especially since I know I'm going to be hunting this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so we'll just we'll hop right into it here. Um, the purpose of this episode is really going to focus pretty heavily on like ground hunting and and calling and stuff from the ground and really as well like maybe some kind of mountainous hunting stuff because Damon I know that you hunt um, some mountainous terrain so to jump into it Damon why don't you give us a little background on yourself and uh, maybe some of your recent hunts and stuff sure so Damon Bungard um, uh, been involved in uh, hunting outdoor industry for a long time um, professional kayaker professional fly fisherman hunter um was involved at jackson kayak and launching orion coolers orion kennels um and uh, the orion chronicles films and so just um hunted a lot of big game uh around the world um uh hunt a lot here locally um and always happy to share what works for me and hope it works for you yeah yeah absolutely um so kind of kind of what region of the world are you are you hunting in right now like kind of residing in so hunting? live in uh currently live in in middle central tennessee um uh, live around a lot of public land a lot of wildlife management areas um that are pretty steep and rugged so it's not hard to shake people um and uh you know this fall earlier i did a i, I got a archery bull in colorado bull elk um and try to travel every you know year some last year i took my father up to kodiak alaska that film just got released and also took him to south africa so just get around um i like to eat meat (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so um one of the things the first time one of the first times that i saw you uh was when you did a backcountry hunt in tennessee and you went out and you basically killed one buck cut his antlers off and rattled up another one. So can you walk us through that a little bit to give people a little more background here? Sure. So that was the first episode of the the Orion Chronicles kind of web um, hunting series that we started. Um, And what that was is, again, we have a lot of um, the first article I ever wrote um, on the Orion Coolers blog at the time was Eats Meets West and, you know, Western backcountry tactics in the East. And it was all about getting away from people and using terrain and um, calling and um, and just clo- ground hunting, you know, using terrain to your advantage. And so when it when we when it came to launching this first film, it was super low budget, just me and one other cameraman. And the cameraman had never hunted. Um, he's a kayaker from South Africa named Steve Fisher. And um, so I knew it'd be a challenge because. Um, you know, just, just trying to get him to sit still and, you know, be a hunter um, <laughs> yeah. uh, with a camera. But but so we did it on, you know, on local public ground. And um, this area that I hunt is just it's it's steep. It's rugged. But the but the deer act wild because they're unpressured. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of deer in there um, uh, in a lot of these zones. But um, because of that, they, they act like I think deer should you know, acts when they're uninfluenced by humans. Um, and so on that hunt, uh, the very, we, we were packing in and I was like, figuring we pack in 
and just get to camp on day one and then we'd spend a few days hunting well on the way even on the way in to camp um i decided to sit on a face and do some rattling and calling and steve was moving too much making too much noise i was just rattling harder and making more noise and beating up sticks and and had a curious you know young buck come in down down 50 yards or so and and shot him and i was like you know epic you like the hunt you know like (laughs) like, this is great you know rattled him in got him um and it was super cool because uh his antlers which are the ones i actually just use all month to take three more bucks um his antlers didn't have any brow tines on them and if you're looking for a set of antlers to rattle with cutting off the brow tines or naturally not having brown tie brow tines just saves you from banging your knuckles up so um little tip uh i've actually got a set of those uh downstairs um, <laughs> yeah natural yeah. naturally <laughs> exactly so i was stoked when i got them because it just it went along with the story i'm like oh this is you know we rattled one in i was using it i, I rattled them in with a set of antlers my father had given me and um and then it was just oh you know i the one i took has a set of cool rattling antlers what a great way to end the story and i thought the story was over and we were already in we were already in um this, this region that i hunt and i was like we're in here we might as well you know we're going to be camping anyway i'm not carrying them all the way back out we're closer to camp at this point so and it was warm it was it was hot so there's a there's a cave that i know there with a natural spring in it and the air coming out of that cave just stays cooler because of it um so i hung up i quartered them and hung the meat there and just you know we just had a eight eight tenderloins in camp and had a good night you know and i'm like well i figured that was the end of the filming and that was the end of the story <laughs> um but then i was like well we're here you know it's you can only kill one buck a day in tennessee i'm like i, I can't hunt tonight anyway we might as well just hunt the hunt the morning and then we'll pack them out of here um and then the following morning uh went to a different spot and rat using his antlers rattled in just a really nice public land 10 point to like 15 yards and he just came walking right to us <laughs> um and so you know looking back on that i bet if i tried a hundred times i could never do that again um, <laughs> it just everything just kind of came together and it was just you know an unbelievable thing especially captured on film but um but there were instances of why i thought it worked out so well too that i've really adapted to how I one rattling bucks in in November during the rut, and then two just ground hunting in general. So, um, you know, I I've always just liked ground hunting because um, I just like to move around. I like to explore and find stuff in the woods. And you know, when you're in a tree, you're pretty much you're stuck in that tree, <laughs> um, and you're at the mercy of the wind and stuff like that. And when you're on the ground, and I'm always checking the wind. If the wind's no good, I just move. I get it, I move till it's right. I don't care what time of day it is. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, and um, and I consciously even when I do move, I try. You know, I'm trying to put it like this. There's a there's a feeling, or you know, you always say, you know, it's, you know, the number one rule of hunting, you know, it's not about camo or this or that. It's you know, sit still and shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, shut up and sit still. Um, and I, I believe in that, and I don't believe in that. I think just it's okay to make noise if it's natural sound. So meaning, so even when I move midday, um, I will shuffle step. I'll shorten my steps and I'll jog to try to sound like a trotting buck, and I'll grunt. Or 
I'll walk slowly six loud steps in the leaves and I'll scratch like a turkey. Um, and doing stuff like that, many, many times, I've walked right in on hogs in the south just grunting and jogging in on them because they think it's a deer. Um, or I've sat, I've walked, made a ton of noise, and then sat down and 10 minutes later killed a deer. Yeah. Um, so the same when it comes to rattling um, and ground hunting, a lot of what I do is the same. I expect the deer to come close. I expect it to be like hot and heavy action, so to speak. So I just like it because I just feel like I'm engaging more with the wildlife than just trying to hide from it, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like, you know, often it's just the way you, that's kind of the way you hunt is you try to have more hide, not let them know you're there versus have them look for you. <laughs> um, so, um, so in that video and just in my techniques, and this is worked in Southern swamps in Georgia, you know, I've, I've taken three bucks this season uh, I took one in Georgia, um, down on the Okmulgee River, along the river bottom swamps, and I took two bucks here in Tennessee. Um, all three were called in um, and killed within 25 yards of me in the open on the ground. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, um, so anything, I'm not these what I do may or may not work all the time. I just know what works for me. Like in Georgia, a good example, my friend who I was hunting with, I was seeing four or five bucks a sit. He saw none. I was calling a lot. He was not calling at all. Mm-hmm. So those kind of numbers just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, I use a, I just have a basic, I have those rattling antlers that I cut off that one buck. And, um, and then I, I have a, an ex- the extinguisher grunt and bleat call. It's got like a little sliding lever on it. You can get on Amazon for like 25 bucks. Um, but you can slide it up and sound like a doe or a fawn. You can slide it down and make a butt grunt. And it's just nice and light and easy to pack. <laughs> um, and I was first introduced to that by a guide friend in Montana, uh, Sean. He guides for Linehan Outfitting up in northwestern Montana. Mm-hmm. And we were mountain hunting. We were mountain hunting whitetails there, and their whitetails definitely behave different than our whitetails. They're way more tolerant of humans, and they'll stand and look at you where our bucks would be long gone. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> they're not all cracked out like ours are. No, they're not. They're way more chill. Oh um, yeah, and uh, as I don't know why this is this is a different animal, um, but. You know, he was, we would, we would climb and move, you know, half hour sits here, almost like your turkey hunting, you know, um, and get action. We'd call in a buck or something, we'd come be curious. And, um, uh, so when it, when it comes to kind of how we hunted there, I, I kind of started thinking, you know, how, how can I do that more in the, in the Southeast and, and, and to me, a lot of it is it's timing. You know, I don't I don't think you're going to have good success in October and then September <clears throat> because the deer aren't just, they're just not engaging with each other like that. They're not really fighting a lot yet. They're not sparring much. They're more based on food. So I think a lot of people will get frustrated um, if they try to call in deer in October and even early November sometimes, and they don't have results. It's very easy. It's like ah, it doesn't work. <laughs> but I think if you can get it going good in that pre-rut period, um, and even later into the rut, uh, that's when you know the deer are more active, they're more curious, they're up on their feet more, and they're looking to establish territories. So it just naturally 
uh, you know, engages with their their own instincts. Um, but I think what ultimately that I do different, and maybe not than some people, but I've seen a lot of people. I'm like, show me how you rattle or what they do, and um, they're like they're in a tree, and they, they get some antlers out, and they'll do a rattling sit and you know bang them together for a while. Um, but ultimately, they're 30 feet up in the air, or whatever you know, 20 feet up in the air. And the way I best explain it is uh, bucks don't jump in the air and fight and fly around like superheroes with their antlers. You know, there, <laughs> there's, there's, there's eight feet on the ground going at it. And it is a violent, it is loud. Um, it is not just antlers banging together in the sky. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and that is exactly what I do. I, when I do a rattling session... I'm running back and forth, twenty yards, kicking branches, rattling, grunting. I make as much noise as I possibly can. I'm not shying away um, at all. I'm I'm trying to sound like eight feet going at it, um, and so I, I look funny. I probably look like a you know doing the chicken dance, running around, banging antlers together, and breaking sticks. But that's what I do. Um, it is not. It's so uh, to me, it's a much more going back to sign the natural. Like, I, I, mean, I can think of I've been hunting 30 years. I bet I can count on one hand the times I've personally witnessed Bucks fight. Um, but it's, it's not a quiet thing. It's not a tender, you know, let's touch some antlers. Um, uh, it's, you know, unless I mean, young Bucks will, young Bucks will, you'll know, get the, and I'm not going to take my set of antlers out, trying to make some audio, but, um, you know, I'll start sessions with just kind of, I'll do a, a grunt or I'll do a, just with my mouth, a, like kind of announce, you know, a, a, a fight announcement. <clears throat> and then, you know, I'll get into just, just some tip kind of clanks. Um, and then I'll slowly build into a little more sound. And I'll often, though, just rub them. Because when ant- when antlers are touching, they're just they're not really banging, but there's a lot of sliding going on. So I'll do a lot of sliding. Oh yeah, like two bucks, and then I'll be I'll be moving my feet during this period. I'll be kicking, I'll be breaking, and it's kind of like two bucks are head to head, but they're in contact with each other. They're not they're not they're not bang. A lot of people just bang bang bang, but you know deer don't fight like like rams. They don't, you know, separate and just come charging together and then separate again and come charging together. So, yeah, it's uh, more of like a pushing match, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's much more of like a tug of war. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get their antlers going. So I, I'll do a lot of sliding the clanks like that or just rub. And then I'll mix in the grunt. And then I'll, I'll do, I'll get into, you know, some more violent peaks and valleys. But I, I let it go on for you know a good five good minutes um and again i'm this whole period i'll sometimes i'll stop and i'll just break sticks or i'll just stomp my feet really hard like two bucks that are just totally locked together um and um just pushing back and forth on each other no real sliding going on and then i'll separate and i'll build it up and just you know i just try to time it i'll do that like every half hour if I'm not seeing anything, but often it's like half hour cycles. You know, the, the, the last buck I got, 
Um, in, in Georgia, it's like I'll get in there before daylight. I'll wait till it can just have shooting light to do my first mission. And then usually 10, 15 minutes, so I'll see a buck, a curious buck, kind of cruising by looking. And then I'll wait a half hour, do it again, and there's another buck 10 minutes later. And then I'll wait a half hour, do another buck five, 10 minutes later. So it gets into these cycles where I'm seeing a deer almost on the hour in between rattling sessions. <laughs> um, and that's literally how it played out in Georgia. Um, uh, and you know, it's, you never know, ultimately, did he come to the call or not. You know, it's you could just have been the right spot, right time, you're coming anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think when you when I start looking at how regularly they show up after I call, and then looking at how the guy hunting with me isn't seeing any bucks, and I'm seeing four or five a sit, you know, in a, in a, in a four-hour sit, um, you know, it kind of starts to say, hey, something's working different. Yeah. Um, now, out of curiosity – when you have bucks coming in to check you out, are they typically yeah. like charging in or are they kind of sneaking in downwind? Uh, both. That's an excellent question. So, um, definitely be aware of them coming downwind. They will often circle and come in downwind. Um, but they, they're doing it. It could just be rut factor to me, but they're doing it on a bit of a lesson it's like they turn their nose off a bit because they they really they're more looking for a deer than a human, mm -hmm. um, and but I've had I've had plenty get downwind and blow. I'll I'll, I'll hear him grunt and then I'll hear him blow and then I'm like, man, he he was coming in looking, but ultimately I lost. Um, that happened in Georgia. There was a I was I was rattling down in the cypress bottom in a slough, and there was one section straight downwind. Um, bedding area that's another thing is i tried to do this you know near bedding areas the right times where i expect deer to be coming and going um or in transition zones where deer should you know be are looking and they're coming they're, they're moving in between so a natural funnel in the mountains or um just either i'm basing that do, do i am I somewhere that i have close to bedding and i'm gonna draw one out of bedding or am I in a transition zone where they're going to be likely to hear and come to it? And, that, and if they're looking, they're going to come into the funnel to look, get where they're looking anyway, because mountain sounds carry funny in the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, in that, that swamp deer, um, the one that I, di one I didn't get is beautiful, just really unique, super tall six um, point. But he was 80, you know, 80 yards downwind. I heard him grunt and I knew he was there. And then 10 minutes later, I heard him blow. He just, he must've just been standing there looking. Um, and he took off though, across the Cypress, you know, how like Cypress trees flare out at the base and you can, you know, you get like these weird V's of V's of visibility through the, through the, the Cypress bottom. Mm -hmm. And I could just see him going and I, I knew he was good. And then he stopped and like, all I had, all I could see was his butt, you know, and then <laughs> he turned turned around and i could just see like half his antler in his face and i was like ah, oh, just you know one step here two steps there um and you know i didn't get that deer um so he was one who came in you know right but the one that i did kill um the last morning um it was similar i was i was in this case i i mean i was sitting in a just a folding you know game day purple chair <laughs> um and i had and I was—I just had thrown some 3D kind of camo over it, 
and I was sitting in that chair and I'd get up and I'd do my rattling sessions and I'd break and kick. Um, but I was mainly watching this natural funnel between a lake and a kind of a high spot in a creek mm-hmm. and they run and they go to a bedding area in and out of there. And I had had some, I, I rattling there. I had two bucks come in and fight. I had two little bucks come in and spar for a while a day prior. Um, and then one that would leave and come back and leave and come back. Every time I rattled, he came back looking, um, for a fight. And then, um, but the one I shot the last morning, again, it was that like kind of heavy dew fog lifting early, did that first rattling sesh. And, um, I just heard a twig break 20 yards behind me. And I just, you know, kneel, I spun off the chair and, um, because totally behind my back and I could just see him coming rack straight at me, chest down. I shot him right in the chest. Um, man, and he ran like 20 yards and plowed up. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Michael, were you, do you have anything, uh, any questions on any of that? Man, I've got a, I got a ton of stuff. I've been taking notes. Um, (laughs) Cause I know I always forget to, to remember to, to dive into something. I think one of the keys just from my own personal experiences um, is the curiosity. And you mentioned that a couple of times. And yep. um, I think that is a key uh, to, to making it work. Um, you know, I, I find like walking up into bedding areas, middle of the day after they've already filtered back through to bedding um, is it's like a prime time to, to do the sequences you're talking about. Um, now I haven't, uh, I don't have much experience as far as rattling because, um, I don't know, just early on, um, I, I never had any success with it. Now I haven't yep. tried it in a few years. So I said I was going to try it, um, after listening to the last podcast y'all did, Andrew, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, um, curiosity, that's one of the, the big things, you know, I heard the same thing, you know, everybody, you know, kind of look at you cross-eyed if you, if you said you was going to make a whole bunch of noise in the woods right? Um, to try to bring a deer in. Um, uh, here a couple of years ago, I, I, I did that. I broke off a branch or a small top of a tree uh, in a thicket and just, I, I was videoing the whole thing and I was videoing my face and I had this smirky smile, but it was because I knew of, you know, the people that were going to watch that video, like on Instagram, whatever, they'd be giving me this, you know, like what in the world is he doing? And, but, it wasn't, you know, five minutes later in the small little buck. Now, granted, it was only a spike, uh, but he came out of that bed and thicket and he, he circled down just like you were talking about. Yep. And uh, and would would work his way back and forth downwind trying to get me. Um, I, I was never able to, you know, to get a clear view of him because it was so thick where I was at. But he, I think probably about 30 minutes later, he finally winded me. Um, once the thermal started dropping, cause this was an evening hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, creating curiosity. It's just like the, the, uh, just like the, uh, pine tree bark, Andrew. Um, oh, yeah. you know, just, I mean, you can tell that story. It worked for you too. So yeah, Michael, I'm going to tell this and then Michael, I want you to, to talk about that a little bit. So, so Michael told me that like, you know, peaking that curiosity, you get, you get some, like if you're sitting in a pine tree, you like grab the bark and scratch on it and grab a piece and rip it off and scratch mm-hmm. the tree with it. And it sounds like a buck rubbing or something. Well, I did that right. in Georgia, uh, not too long ago. Um, when I was on my quota hunt, cause I had to, I had to break some limbs out of the way and it was, they, I broke them and they were really loud. So I was like, well, I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll sound like a buck rubbing. And I, I mean, dude, two minutes later, this little buck comes walking up, just looking. I got awesome footage of him uh, that I, I guess I'll share it when I 
when we drop this episode. But um, but yeah, he he came in looking. Um, and Michael, you actually killed a buck doing that last year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last season, I think it was one thirty in the afternoon, and uh, I started doing that. And uh, it wasn't a few minutes later. I was actually fixing to throw out a grunt after I did it. And I was like, no, I just had this six cents, you know, type feeling like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then instantly, like, you see my face go, oh, my God, there's a buck right there. <laughs> and I, I turned, the, turned the camera to him and, and the buck is right there, right in front of me. And a few minutes later, I ended up taking the shot and, and killing him. So, uh, But the idea, the idea came to me from um, – I've climbed pine trees a few times and, and limbed some trees back on when I used to be in a hunting club when I was younger. And it never failed that. It was always right after I did that or during it that a buck would always come in and try to see what was making that yeah. noise. I've had that happen before, too. They just climb a pine tree down yeah. there and they just come look at you in the tree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to mimic this noise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb this pine tree and I'm going to make this noise. Um and i mean it worked so yeah uh, you know it's just that creating curiosity like you said right and so yeah he was and that so that one he was coming in trotting um uh you know moving a decent clip um the second buck uh killed here in tennessee um and it was just like i, I was working a busy day and i was like oh i gotta get out for you know it's, it's november i gotta just get in the wood even if, even if it's for the last hour you know, but I was like, I'm just going to go be super aggressive and see if I can draw something out and, um, hiked in. And I just, there was a, there was a tree that had fallen over and, you know, blocked kind of the back view of me. So I could knew I could move and not be seen a lot there. So I just set my pack down by a tree, propped my muzzle loader against the tree, got the antlers out, um, did the, did the fight grunted and then started breaking stuff. And, did the session and, and stood there um, and just kind of stood there listening because it's super loud. You know, you can hear deer walking around pretty easy this time of year here. Um, it's super dry. <laughs> and uh, it, it was the day after that snowstorm hit. I don't know if you guys got any snow down there. but um, No, we didn't. <laughs> I was in Kentucky. I was in yeah. Kentucky on that one, yeah. Yeah, so I, I went out the night of the storm and I walked two miles and didn't cut a deer track. And I thought they might be moving then, but I was like, oh, they should be moving good the next day then. <laughs> um, they're probably still, you know, hunkered down. But it wasn't, you know, 10 minutes after I stopped there and did my rattling. And then he just came, he came out of this thicket, just, you know, head kind of down, looking around, kind of posturing, walking straight to me. And same thing, I shot him quartering to me and he just kind of went 10 feet, laid down and died. Uh, <clears throat> yeah uh, um was, well go ahead i'm sorry it's all right um but another example of you know it's, it's just it's worth it if, especially if time is short i'm i'm if time is short i'm going to be as aggressive as i can to try to make something happen in the time i got um mm-hmm. and that was a good example if i had been sitting there just trying to be quiet i probably don't see that deer in daylight even if he may have come by probably wouldn't have but even if he had it wouldn't have been probably so as soon as he did but he just came looking <laughs> yeah now, uh, out of curiosity, when let's say you're going out with the intent to do this kind of calling sequence uh, and be aggressive like that, what yeah. kind of area are you going to, and what kind of habitat are you going to try and put yourself in? I was kind of putting, talking about that earlier. You know, it's it's. I try to find. I'm going to do it in natural buck corridors um, where bucks should collide anyway, um, or near bedding edges. Um, 
and I just try to do it somewhere, you know, usually where I hunt, even no matter how I'm hunting, what weapon, I can only see 50, 60 yards anyway, <laughs> whether it's a bow or a gun, you know? Um, so it's, I'm not doing it like in the open on big fields, you know, on the edges of the fields kind of thing. I'm usually doing it. I'm, I'm always, I'm, I mean, I'm generally hunting big mature timber, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. or down in the swamps. Um, it's, you know, unmanaged property. There's, there's not food plots. So I can't honestly say like how well going to the edge of a big food plot and, you know, doing that and making a whole bunch of noise. If you're going to draw one into a food plot to come look, I just feel like it's a little more intimate and they're more likely to feel comfortable sneaking in looking when they got more cover. Mm -hmm. Um, and that might be something that turns people off too. I, but like, I can't, I haven't done it enough in those type scenarios to really weigh in on does it work or not. Yeah. Um, well, but, I think that fits just right with our audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, you usually it's, it's just trying to, I try to visualize where I think they're going to come from and try to turn my ears on to one side and my eyes onto the other and listen. Um, and there's, uh, and that's a good example because this this last buck, I don't I don't grunt a lot just to grunt. Like usually, if I grunt, it's because I already know the buck's there. Um, I will br I will grunt him in a fight, like in the middle of the fight or, or at the beginning of a fight, just to sound like a deer. Um, but the the my third buck this year, um, I'm sitting on this funnel. And there's there's a boulder that I kind of stand that I sit behind, and I overlook. a I can probably see about a hundred yards across and down this funnel. Mm -hmm. And, and there's usually a scrape or two down at the bottom of that funnel. Um, and they kind of come up and they go out of this little, they just, anyway, they, they run through there. <laughs> and I got there right at daybreak and spooked a buck and doe off. I got there late in daylight and they were already like, there was already a buck and doe there. And I spooked them off and I was like, man, I should have gotten up half hour earlier. And this is like two and a half miles into public. Um, and I was like, it is what it is. Just sit down, you know. And, and I did a, I did a rattling session, and actually, um, a really nice, a really big pinpoint. <clears throat> I saw, I saw move, movement down as the end of my visibility, down low to my left, and I was like, that's a big buck, that's a big deer, and I'm like, oh, that's a buck, and that's when I pulled the grunt tube out, grunted at him, and he was walking away. He was like, kind of looking around, kind of walking away, grunted. And then lost visibility, and then I see him coming, and he's kind of coming, and he's coming, and he's probably 80 yards, and I thought I had a good shooting lane, and I shot, and I missed. <clears throat> um, oh, man. Yeah, I, and I'm kicking myself as a lesson there. It's like Even though it's, it's timber, there's a lot of brush, and you're shooting through little lanes. Um, and I probably just deflected off something I didn't know was in my lane, you know? And I got, I got down from the rock, and walked over there and looked all over and um he just there was no sign of a hit whatsoever there's nothing there yeah <laughs> uh, and spent a half an hour looking around and nothing nothing and i was like well let's keep hunting and i'm like you're an idiot you should have you should have just let him keep coming like why did you <laughs> why did you take the shot like you, you knew it was going to be it's you know you, but you know in those kind of situations you, you think you got you think you got the shot you need <laughs> so yeah and i turned out i didn't and or i made a bet whatever missed him yeah um, so reloaded but i'm just sitting there just pouting you know by my rock just like you're an idiot you know he was coming just let him come to 30 shoot him closer <laughs> um just you know all the things that go through your head when you, when you know you screwed up and uh did another rattling session and here comes a spike and he came and looking for me 
and he's like 40 yards. And I'm like, see, why couldn't you let that buck get to 40 yards? You know, I was like telling myself, <laughs> like, you know, look what you got now. Now you got a spike looking at you. You know, you could have had a big 140 yard buck. Now you got a spike. See, this is what you get. <laughs> what you deserve, you idiot. <laughs> uh, so he goes away and same kind of eventually walks off and same kind of thing. I'm like, all right, I'm waiting half an hour. And now it's almost nine o'clock. And I'm like, wait a half an hour. I'll do another session. And sure enough, get up, like kicking leaves out of the way and break in and do my rattling session. And I sit down. And five minutes later, I hear, and here comes one jogging in down way low. And I can tell he's a decent buck. And there's a trail that I know there's a steep face that falls off straight behind this rock. And I was like, if he comes up that looking for me, he's going to win me um, or get super close probably before I have a shot. So I, I, I stood up, grunted, and jogged over there. Like, I didn't try to be quiet and sneak. I jogged 20 yards while grunting um, to get what I thought would be the interception shot um, of him coming up the face looking for me. And sure enough, here he comes up that, up that side hailing trail almost running at me and I shot him trotting at 20 yards <laughs> and um and he runs across the face some out of view by these rocks and trees and I just reloaded um took two steps and he was standing there and flag up bolted and I was like oh no <clears throat> um you know it's like did I miss because he ran strong didn't run like a hit deer but it's all happened in like a course of a minute you know super fast between oh, yeah. shot and <laughs> um and but I was just standing in the open on the ground, and um, well, I mean, what could I didn't not much I could have done. <laughs> um, and uh, but then I went and inspected the hit site, and I could I found white hair and really, really dark, like pudding like black blood. And I was like, oh no, I made a liver hit, and I just left. Yeah, and went and got went and got Jaeger, but we can go into that later. But um, it was you know, just another example of um, give it time between sessions and just another like just generating contact every hour or so every half hour. Mm -hmm. So I got a, I got another question I want to ask, uh, and I want to ask this to both of you and I'll start with you, Damon. Um, when, when you're going through a calling sequence and you're hunting on the ground and everything, and it comes time to sit there and wait and watch and set up and just listen and, and kind of scan the woods for stuff. How yeah. are you going about concealing yourself, uh, in a situation like that? Uh, the, f the first one I was sitting in a chair, um, and I just, just by a like down tree second buck, I was standing by a down tree, just like, you know, standing next to a tree by a tree laying on the ground by its canopy. Mm -hmm. Um, and the third one, I was just sitting on the ground, um, behind a rock when there was like if I move my hands, move my knees, deer can't see me. All I can really see is my head, the way that that rock is shaped. I kind of there's a tree by the rock, and I just kind of put my pack against the tree, and I sit on the ground with my back against the pack, and I can see around the edge of the rock. And then if I want to lay my gun on the rock and shoot, I just and, and the act of moving the rolling into a prone shooting position doesn't they can't see it. <clears throat> um, I'm guarded, uh, so. It's not like I'm build, taking a lot of time to build like ground blinds or anything. I'm just trying to find somewhere I can tuck myself where I'm mostly guarded mm -hmm. um, from from one view direction, you know. So something, you know, where I feel like 
contact may come from. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. Michael, I want to ask you the same thing since you've done a bunch of ground hunting. Uh, how do you go about concealing yourself? Um, very similar. I try to find uh, if if there's not a whole lot, you know, as far as on the ground, like a blowdown or something like that, or, you know, a rock or a creek. Um, sometimes, you know, it may be like a creek bank that you're up against and, and tucked into uh, and, you know, scanning either side of it. Um, or, you know, I really like to find blowdowns, something like that, because yep. it, you know, will force them around the blowdown. Um, and, and of course, I mean, it, it's an excellent, you know, as far as a concealer. Um, and then if I really don't have anything, um, I've done something as simple as just picking up a, a bare limb. And if there's a, a bunch of leaves around, um, I'll stick uh, several leaves. I'll just pierce them through the middle and um you know on those little twigs that branch off you know like you know one particular limb Mm -hmm. and that's all it takes really you know just to break your outline up a little bit something like that Mm -hmm. um so that's typically what i do i try to find something that's already there but if uh but if nothing is there then you know i'll try to make something makeshift just to break it up just a touch yeah sometimes i will carry I'll carry like a, a little panel of 3D mesh camo, um, you know, just something to lay over my legs or something to lay around, you know, some, some trees or bushes there to, to break it up. Um, I will do that, you know, just a little like three, two, two foot tall, like, you know, section of it, six foot section of it or 10 foot section of it. And I'll wrap, you know, wrap that around some trees or just kind of make a makeshift quick ground blind out of it. Um, uh, so, um, and that, but that's a good example of uh, actually a, a blown a blown rattling call in that I had this this same two days before I killed that um, second buck the front edge of that snowstorm we were talking about. Um, I was like, oh, I got to get out on the front side, and um, so hiked in uh, a couple miles, and there's kind of a steep face, and there's an old logging road there on this edge, and there's always scrapes on that road, and I went to go see if they'd be there. First time going there this year and walking the walk in it and I find a fresh scrape. So I'm like, uh, all right, I'm peeing this and uh, I'm just going to sit here. And I, the rain just started and there's a kind of a pine tree about 10 foot down off the lip of the face that road is on. I'm like, I'm just going to sit under that pine tree. just to stay dry. So I do. And it's just kind of a light drizzle at that point, but I get off I get off the, the trail and fall down the face to go into this pine tree. And that's where I do my rattling session. And then the rain kind of picks up and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there saying to myself, man, my view here sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't hear him coming because of the rain. And he's going to be standing on top of this road, looking down at me like before I know it. And I picked my gun up um, and I took two steps out from that tree. And he was standing 10 yards from me looking at me, took off. He was right there. Dang. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the bad things about uh, about ground hunting is you don't have the side advantage like you would if you were up in a right. tree. Um, very, very true. And, and uh, I, I've had my fair share of getting busted, especially in pine thickets or just after it rained, because they can be so quiet coming right. through. Um, and uh, you really got to be aware and. And that's when I actually started picking up on the birds, you know, and the and their alarm calls. Um, started paying more attention to it was when I was ground hunting um, because 
you know, you need every advantage you can have. Um, playing on your phone is not going to work, Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the ground. Totally. Oh, um, yeah. I got I, I got was, it handed to me the other day by a buck because I was playing on my phone. <sighs> I, yeah. was, uh, I was in a pine thicket about four or five years ago on the ground. And I just threw out a couple of grunts and, uh, my buddy, another hunting buddy was asking me how it was going and had I seen anything. And I was like, listen, I was like, I gotta, I gotta cut this, you know, short. I said, I have this feeling that deer's about to be up on me in, in a couple of minutes. And I said, I, you know, I can't be texting on the phone. It wasn't, it wasn't two seconds after I'd typed that up and bam, there's a doe. And she's like 15 yards from me and uh busted <laughs> i mean it just happens it happens so quick when you do those calling sequences sometimes um other times you know I've, I've seen it take you know 30 minutes before you know a deer will come in to investigate what's going yeah. on because they're so cautious yeah um, that that's an excellent point that i haven't really talked about is um you know how long you wait you know you yep. set up you do your you make you make your your calling and and then you know, how long do you wait? And I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. Um, in general, though, you know, I don't wait much past a half hour. If, if I if I do it and nothing's coming and I'm, you know, I'm mobile and I'm bouncing and I'm doing like turkey type style um, mm-hmm. or or if I'm seeing deer, I don't move. But um, it, but I'll let them go and I'll let them pass and, then, you know, work on another one. But, yeah, it's I, I don't know how to advise somebody on how long you wait. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. it's, it's it's by situation, by what you're seeing. <laughs> yeah. From, from my experience, I, I've had quite a few come in right at a half an hour. So I'll yeah. wait. That's about the time that I wait is at least a half an hour before I do it. Um, but, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it, it totally varies on, on your position, how far you are away from the deer, you know, as far as like if they're in a bedding area, you know, are they going to be extra cautious, you know, or are you somewhere away from where they feel comfortable? Um, yep. I think there's so many different factors that play into it that it's hard to, hard to really nail something like that down. Right. I just say, I just say, Hey, have fun. See what happens. Yep. <laughs> um, that is one nice thing about it. Just if you, if you dedicate yourself to say, all right, I'm going to try to call a deer in. Um, and I intend to keep doing that honestly with my, with my SLR and just camera hunt for a while. Um, just trying to get a good photo of a good buck that I called in. Oh, um, that'd be cool. Uh, you know, I don't have to hunt with a gun to have fun. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm going to, you know, it, it's just, it's just interactive, you know, I and mean, if you have ever elk hunted or turkey hunted, it's just, that's the style of, you can do whitetail hunting too sometimes. And so it's worth a try if you like to, you know, engage with wildlife differently than just, you know, sitting and, and trying to be sneaky <laughs> to snipe one. Um, and, uh, and the hunting on the ground, I mean, you're, you're, you have this, I mean, just totally free. I mean, to go wherever you want, to walk as far as you want. You don't have anything, yeah. you know, holding you up like, oh, I don't want to carry this stand or or these sticks, you know, this far back into the woods. And right. I mean, it, it just allows you so much freedom. Uh, yeah. And, and even even thermal management. If I uh, get cold, if I get cold, I'll get up and do a rattling session. Well, you just you just uh, made me think of something. I feel like you can get away with a hundred times more as far as wind and thermals versus being in a stand. Oh yeah. Um, I think that too, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I, I can, I've, it rarely happens that 
you know, you get busted before, um, before you've seen the deer when you're ground hunting, if you know how to work, uh, especially those fallen thermals, if you know how to work that to your advantage, um, it, it, yeah, you you can get away with so much more. I'm, I'm constantly checking the wind with wind checker powder, just nonstop uh, every few minutes. And, you know, if you hunt a spot enough, you kind of learn the natural thermal changes. Like I know that spot I hunt, it changes around 9am. Yep. Depending on if it's a clear, sunny morning or, you know, a cold, rainy morning. But, yep. um, uh, and, and people ask, like, do you wait? Like I had a friend asked, you know, are you, are you, are you waiting for a North wind? Um, uh, and I'm like, I never pay attention to prevailing winds where I hunt. Cause it's always different. It doesn't matter to me. I'd go in there and I see what the wind is doing that, at that point at that time. And I make my decision about where I want to sit. Cause I may only have to shift a hundred yards to still have a good wind. Not the exact right. same over overall hunt the exact same spot yeah so, um, that's something i've started doing this year i mean i've almost quit paying attention to the weather channel and i just me and michael did it a bunch in georgia this year where we just go out there and drive to you know one of the ridge tops on the property hop out toss out some milkweed see what the wind's actually doing and then right. kind of ba- make a plan based off of that and uh i feel yeah. like that's a lot better than walking in blind and beating your head against a wall when the when switches 180 and goes the other direction you know right then it's like oh what am i going to do most people will still just sit there and then have a bad wind and spook a deer off you know and, and get frustrated mm-hmm. you know yeah. if, if you're on the ground you can consciously make the decision and live and die by it of oh no my wind is good not good i'm gonna go over here and hunt yeah um, i don't think it carries as far as it does if you're up in the tree either i mean if you think about it if you was like hold like a spray can away from something and, and spray sure. it really far. I mean, it, it goes so much, you know, farther out from, from where you're pointing at. Yep. Whereas if you hold it, you know, close, I mean, that's, it's just hitting that one spot. It just, you know, it, I don't, it doesn't broadcast it like it does if you're up in a stand. Um, mm-hmm. And an, another thing when those thermals, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, ground hunting and thermals and, and not being tied down to, um, to that certain spot i mean you can move up or down with the thermals you know those thermals you know do change in the morning or in the evening mm-hmm. yeah uh for sure one thing i want to hit on real quick because i'm about to deal with this uh alabama's gun opener is saturday and i'm gonna hunt half a day on saturday uh with a gun on some public land and it is pretty much looks like it's it's gonna be raining i mean like raining hard so what are what are some ground hunting tactics that you guys might have for, you know, crappy weather where you might have a lot of wind or a lot of rain and stuff like that? Um, Damon, I'll start with you. Um, I'll obviously just, you know, a good raincoat because you're going to get soaked. But um, I've actually started too. like Sitka has a new flash tarp. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll like I'll carry that um, and just rig that over myself in a little A-frame. And I'll sit dry and comfortable and do my normal hunt. Um, I'm essentially, you know, making a small ground blind when I do that. Yeah. Um, do your tactics blocks, change any? Not really. Okay. They don't. I like the idea of that tarp. That's a that's a great idea. I've thought about trying to get one of those little, little like real compact lightweight tarps. I know that Sitka right, it was makes the, that. Well, actually, yeah. I didn't know that Sitka made that. That's news to yeah. me. Yeah. It's a couple sizes. It's called the Flash Tarp. It's great. Little super light. Packs in. Um, 
you know, you can you can make a nice little like on the ground emergency shelter like tent out of it, but I'll often just, you know, prop it up as an A-frame over where I'm sitting just to keep the rain off. And then I'll tell you, I, I don't care, you know, Gore-Tex is great and all, but I'd rather sit dry than sit with good <laughs> a good shell on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man, there were some hunts earlier this year where I wish I had one of those. I, it was, <laughs> I was, like, traumatized by the rain. It was so cold and yeah. wet for so long. <laughs> yeah. Michael was there. All I try to do is just rely on my eyes more than my ears. In those oh, yeah. Because you just you can't hear them walking. Nope. Yeah. And you can have success in that those kind of weather conditions. It can be kind of hard for people to imagine, like like for me, for instance. You know, it was hard for me to imagine killing a buck in like high wind, heavy rain, uh, yep. just because I mean you never typically hunt and stuff like that. At least I didn't growing up. And then last right. year, I mean, it was just like Michael was out with me, and it was just sideways misery, pure like. Satan sent this storm to hurt us, man. It was terrible. It was cold. It was super windy and raining hard. And I shot my buck right in the middle of it. So, well, well, that, that is that is a good point. There is there is a time if I if I know if I know a good if I know a good dry bedding pine thicket. Like here, we have some in this this spot that I that I hunt. I there's there's a, a south east kind of rolling no, kind of a knoll you know high a high point on um on in a in a canyon basically but on the south east side of that there's just one little cluster of cedars and deer bed there and i know they bed there and i found a great shed there a few years ago and um and but it's, it's an almost impossible spot to hunt unless you were to go in, you know, at like three in the morning and just wait and get the wind right and have one walk right in on top of you. Um, but I will wait for really bad weather when I think, okay, they're going to tuck up into something to bed and, and I'll get the wind and this worked. Um, uh, I, I'll get the wind. I figure out which side of that knoll the wind is right on to climb like i literally climb the face of that knoll and i know that when i crest and i will be able to see under those pines and that's worked to where they can't hear me coming either and i'll just creep up creep up in the pouring rain um with the right wind until i can see under there and 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 see the see the deer bedded oh that's cool um that's that is one thing i just keep in the back of my head i'm like all right if i'm in here and it's just it's just cold and lousy I'm like I'm gonna before I get out of here. I'm gonna go check that spot. <clears throat> yeah. And more than once I've gone there, and you know, right when I crest, you're close. You know, deer stands up, <clears throat> and then it's up to you what you do with it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's, again, that's active mobile hunting. <clears throat> Michael, Michael, me and you have talked about a spot. I mean, what Damon just said is pretty much just like what me and you were talking about not long ago uh, with your camera and that cutover. Yeah, or those young pines, I should say. It really wasn't a cutover anymore. But uh, you want to dive into that a little bit? Which uh, which spot are you talking about? I'm talking about which, when you put when you put the area? when you put the camera in that oh, cutover yeah. oh, on yeah. the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, years ago, when I was in this club, I put a, a camera up in a pine thicket, um, and it was one of those carpet looking ones like you uh, described in our scouting video, Andrew, where you know they haven't gone in and really thinned. 
um, but it's it's kind of more open underneath. Um, but that canopy, um, you know, it's so thick, and all, all of the rainy or windy days, um, those deer would just file through there. Um, it, but but that would be the only time that it was really, you know, used was on those rainy or windy days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it it basically just like you were just talking about, you know, they do gravitate towards those you know, towards that type of cover. Yeah. Um, so, so going forward here before I want to, I want to jump into Jaeger, um, the tracking dog. Uh, but before we do that, Michael, do you have any other things you want to hit on? Um, no, not really. Uh, one thing, um, when we're talking about ground hunting and, and not being, uh, you know, I guess not being busted by deer. Um, I usually wear a beanie, um, when I'm ground hunting, um, or I try to at least because you turn your head so much and the, the bill of your cap, you know, it just doesn't look normal. And it's just that extra movement, um, you know, that could get you busted. Um, so one point. So I usually, uh, wear a beanie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I've heard from turkey hunters a lot who are better at turkey hunting than me, uh, that they like to wear those bucket style hats, like what Ted wears on the hunting public. Yeah, because uh, it's harder for like a bird to tell like when you move your head rather than that flat or not flat bill but you know like the bill coming out of the front of the hat yeah. Uh, swinging yeah. yeah it's like swinging around where with that bucket style hat or a beanie they can't really tell as good when you turn your head but that's, that's, often, a, that's a good point i often hunt in that sick uh, bucket yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah um all right so yeah dude that that, that pretty much hits what i was wanting to cover about ground hunting now i want to talk about your dog because you have quite the quite the tracking dog don't you yeah i got uh jaeger he's a handful um <laughs> anybody's you know see a, a little hunting machine you can check out at jaeger tracks on instagram or facebook um and there's some on my personal youtube channel um there's some jaeger tracks recoveries uh, videos of, of stuff we've recovered for people or myself um and uh yeah he's just been he's just man he's he's a hunting machine and um he uh so he's a he's a teckle um bred by Vaughn Mountain Creek so what a teckle is is a uh, a german um hunting lineage wire-haired dachshund so he's his father's still in germany he's registered in germany he's actually now passed all the german hunting field trials and those included uh um, a gun shyness exam, a water, a duck retrieve and water under gunfire, um, uh, a 20 hour blood tracking test, um, for over a kilometer long, um, and then physical exams. Um, so, uh, Dang. yeah, so, um, he's super real deal, hundred percent to the core hunting dog. You know, a lot of people think of dachshunds and they don't think about that, but, um, we're, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but those things were originally bred for like rabbit hunting and stuff, right? Well, dachshund means badger dog. Um, dachshund means literally translates into badger hound. Huh. Um, and so they were bred. They were bred for above and below ground field work. So they were bred to go into holes, badger, fox, um, and uh, you know hold on to it basically till the hunter comes. <laughs> um, and they're bred um, for recovery. They, they in, in Europe, they run boar a lot with them. Um, they're super bold. They're very independent dogs. They're people ask me about them, and um, they're somewhat aloof. But um, 
they're just their their brains are wired to find it. Their brains are wired to be an independent hunter. They're not like a bird dog that looks to you for a command. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not what that's not how they're built. Um, yeah, they're built to hunt and find it and wait for you to show up. Um, and literally, they they do vocalization tests for rabbits and different things because that's how the hunters keep track of them. Is that is the tone and of their voice and almost like a beagle, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're silent, like they're silent when tracking unless the deer's alive. Um, or if I'm restraining Jaeger too much on a line, he'll, he'll whimper, he'll whine and like, like, let me go. Like, let's, why, why are we going so slow? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got him. you know, I, I'm as mainly a big game hunter. I wanted a dog that was a versatile dog, um, that I could still hunt with and use for big game. Um, but waterfowl occasionally, um, and you know, he's small, he's portable. We're on the road a lot. I wanted a good house pet dog, but also a dog I could work in the field and, um, so I started researching them and there's only a f- couple breeders in North America. Jaeger's now one of maybe a half a dozen registered German studs in all of North America, US and Canada. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, so he's a very unique dog. <laughs> um, but, uh, he's excellent at what he does and that's finding lost game. Um, so, you know, I picked him up and people asked like training. There's a great book, um, called, uh, Tracking Dogs for Finding Wounded Deer by John Janini. And it goes through a lot of different dog breeds. And he actually is, is, a, is a breeder of wire hair dachshunds. Um, and uh, um, kind of pioneered the, the changing of the laws in the United States. Because, you know, running, running deer with dogs is illegal in most states. Um, and everybody has this stigma of, you know, wild, dogs running wild, crossing property lines and stuff like that. But most states and most tracking is done on lead, and people don't realize this, is that it's done on lead for a number of reasons. But one is so that you're not crossing property lines. The dog's always within control, and it's always on a deer that's already been shot. Um, it's not You're not running a live deer. Um, and a lot of recoveries are to prove that actually you know, that the deer wasn't mortally wounded, and tra- the tracking dog comes out and helps give that hunter peace of mind. Um, oh, I didn't kill it. You know, uh, I tracked, we tracked a very big buck two and a half miles through rough country on Monday. Um, and the, 30 hours after the shot and there was still a fresh drip, fresh drip. And I just called it off and told the hunter, like, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't kill him. Yeah. Um, he's, he's going to be, he's, this is muscle blood. He's, you know, we're just at this point, we're just pushing a live deer. Um, and we called it off. And, um, <clears throat> so uh, and a lot of states, you know, don't allow you to bring a weapon on a recovery either because of that. <laughs> um, yeah. So the intent is to recover a, a carcass at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but it's he's been really great to have as a peace of mind for myself. Um, you know, the buck that I the last buck that I shot in that liver hit, you know, in the way he ran made me just I was like after being on enough tracks, I'm like, oh, no, this deer could go a mile. You know, it's very little sign. <laughs> you know, a spooked deer can go a long way super fast. And um, and the number one rule of recovering deer, and, this, and, and that's the thing in Germany, they're still so good over there because a lot of places over there, you have to hunt with a guide. And by law, they have to have a dog for game recovery. They place the highest and much a culturally much higher premium on game recovery than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, they have really good working lines um, for yeah. Tekel and other dogs like Deutschstrathars that are also good trackers. And um, some other Bavarian mountain hounds are really good trackers. Um, and they're specialists. Um, but, um, you know, that 
people always, you know, they want to look too early, they bump a deer and then the job's just either the deer is gone or the job's that much harder. So, um, you know, in the case of my liver hit, it's just, okay, I'm not even going to look. I marked the hit site, hung it in my orange hat and I left. And, you know, five hours later is when I got back there, you know, miles in and miles out. I had 10 miles that day. Um, uh, like getting Jaeger did five of those and, you know, a couple thousand feet of vertical. Um, um, and I got back to the hit site and, uh, you know, he, he took me right across the, right across the middle, across the face, started dropping down. Boom. There's the buck. And, you know, the buck probably died in his first bed. It was still limber. So five hours later he had just expired. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's just an excellent example of, you know, if I've been the hunter, even though I had blood on the ground, if I had waited an hour and gone looking, I would have jumped that deer again. Yeah. And in recovery of any kind would have been hard, even with a dog. Um, but a lot of the calls we get, um, there's an excellent video. The most video, most complete video that I filmed um, was this October, meaning most complete, meaning I didn't screw the camera up. <laughs> um, I just kind of run with a GoPro on my chest and, seems like inevitably I think it's on and it's not on kind of thing um, or something, and I'll miss like a good chunk of the track. Um, but in this case, everything was right. It's about a half-hour video, so I didn't like edit it out. I wanted people to see the whole thing um, from literally driving into the lady's driveway and meeting them and hearing about it. And a lot of tracking is the interview process first to understand if it's even worthy of putting Jaeger on because he hurts himself every track. He wears goggles. He's had eye injuries. It's like I risk him every time I take him out. Yeah. Um, Cause he goes hard. <clears throat> um, and deer that are dying don't go to nice places usually. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, yeah. you know, uh, so, but you know, that whole video was arriving in their driveway, hearing the story and their, and her story was she had shot a crossbow quartering two shot pretty sure she had gut shot it you know they saw the deer bed in this kind of field near their house their german shepherd got out of their yard and jumped it oh god and it ran across a road and they knew where it crossed the road so they looked that night couldn't find it her sons were on like the football team they like half the team came out the next morning and they walked all over the side of this mountain looking for the deer and couldn't find it and then they called us so i'm just like Pah. You know, there's so much, so much scent contamination here. There's so much, you know, extra footprints because people don't realize if they want, if you, number one thing, if you want to call a dog out or if you get all question the shot is keep the track clean. The, the, the worst thing you can do is, is have blood on your boots, which you don't realize you have blood or gut matter or whatever. And you're walking around everywhere you walk, the tracking dog thinks the deer went, um, and it just makes life harder. And good dogs will sort that out. They'll work through it. But, um, you know, hearing some of these factors, I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> um, this one, you know, we may not find. And But so you see Jaeger work across the field. You see him, you know, confirm sign on the road that they knew. And that's good. I always, And then get to their point of loss. And ultimately, when I track, my, my, my real one goal is just advance, advance the line past their point of loss. At least then I know I did my job. <laughs> um uh, finding yes, the deer to continue further this way, and then and then it's really either recovery or no, your deer's not dead, um, and that just becomes judgment. But um, and uh, so, but he works through where everybody walked around, and then advance point of loss, and then from from where they lost it, 
I counted over 700 paces on film to where I where he eventually found that buck, and I only saw two spots, two drops of blood the whole way. Um, so that's probably 500 yards of no sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and they're tracking off tracks off a combination of so deer have an interdigital gland, they have a sick gland between their hoof. So good tracking dogs do not need blood to track. A lot of people are, have a little bit of a misconception there. But to me personally, they're taking in kind of a formula of interdigital scent, blood scent, gut matter scent, parcel gland scent, body scent. And they kind of calculate it all in their little dog head and figure it out. <clears throat> um, and uh, I can say, please blow my mind. And, and being able to help people... Um, you know, Christy sent me later, um, you know, mental, recovering that buck meant the world to her. Um, and she was very emotional when we got there. And I'll never forget her. So I got to call mama. I'll get you and get on her cell phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then she messaged, she messaged me later um, about how it was a lot more than just a buck to her. And she had lost her younger brother a couple of years ago in an accident. And he's who taught her to hunt and fish. And she hadn't hunted. And it was the first time hunting since. And she was wearing his camo and got this deer so oh, man you know, the level of closure or you know it's a lot more meaning to her than just i got the deer um so she's like you know i'm forever grateful i can't thank you enough so it's just been really rewarding um in that sense but it's also just taught me a ton about what wounded deer really do what are the what so yeah i'm i'm pretty curious about that um yeah which um, which i will say everybody out there you need to go follow uh, Jaeger tracks and stuff on Instagram and, and Facebook. Cause dude, watching that dog work is really entertaining, man. He's a little pocket rocket. He's yeah, like, he is. he's squirming he's around in the super brush. High drive. Oh yeah. Dude, he's like drive. pulling you along. He's like squirming around like a swamp rabbit running through a cane thicket or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, it's pretty he, cool. He's, he goes to the point of, he hurts himself. I mean, um, he's actually had blood in his stool for days since that track on Monday. Oh man. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he goes really, and that's just from stress, but he, he goes really hard. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, his longest track last year was a mile. Um, his oldest track's around 24 hours. Um, and, you know, he, uh, he helped me get my elk this year. I took a, a thoracic, a throat shot on a bull, um, lost blood, and he helped find it. Um, so, cool. um but uh, yeah, what he's taught me is, um, number one, make it, make the best shot you can. It doesn't always happen. Like we want, I talked earlier about missing a buck. Um, you know, stuff happens in the woods. Um, uh, number two is if if you don't see it go down, and you're not super confident, you know, mark blood, wait, give it that deer good time, and go back later. You know, seeing things spiral out of, and nobody thinks they're going to lose their deer, right? Um, and I get that, but after doing this enough, I can just say giving it time is number one thing. Just, just wait. If he's dead, he's going to still be dead when you find him four hours later. If he's not, you jump him. You just made your life a whole lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, but you know, you, as hunters, we, all of us, our whole lives have heard, oh, that if he's wounded, he's going to run downhill. Yeah. Um, or, you know, he's going to go to water, um, or, you know, just, you know, all the things go look here, grid search that like don't grid search. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
uh, checking water is okay sometimes. Um, uh, they, I tell you right now, they don't run downhill. They run wherever the heck they want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, the one thing that I have to me taken away as a as a as a behavioral driver um, is uh, their core bedding area. I think a lot of bucks will do whatever they can to get back to their core bedding area. Uh, whether it's the top of a mountain or the bottom of a mountain, um, whether it's 20 feet and whether you shot him 20 yards from your stand at the edge of it and he ran a mile that way, he's going to come back to it. Doubling back, going up to bedding area, getting back to a bedding area to where they feel safe, I think dictates their behavior more than anything. Um, and, so a good example of that was a buck. Uh, the first one I filmed, the first public, you know, his first season when he was a puppy, I just used him for me training, going on personal hunts to Wyoming and here and different things. Um, you know, letting him just be a hunting dog and have fun smelling pronghorn and smelling, you know, mule deer. And uh, he tracked a hog for me. And um, same thing, I shot the hog and rolled it over, got up and ran. And I was like, well, I got a Jaeger. I'm just going <laughs> to leave you for the night. I'm not looking for you at all in the dark alone, big boar. Um, <laughs> yeah, heck no. And, and I'm like, I'll just wait. And it was cold. I'm like, I'm going to wait till daylight and get you. Um, and sure enough, you know, I went out the next morning and Jaeger took us right to him. Um, and he had, I had tracked like 40 yards and I said, I said nope, I'm not going to do this in the dark <laughs> um, alone. Um, and, uh, but the, the first buck, and this is one of the videos, the first one I made, um, a young man shot a really nice buck, crossbow. He had, and it run across the field, gone into a wood line. Him and his father looked there, jumped it, um, and looked around, lost it. Went rained like an inch that night. And went back the next day and looked around, couldn't find it. Called us. It was around the twenty hour mark again, and it was a, that's an excellent example of that track of the deer had ultimately gone down this face, sloping down away. You know, always going to run downhill and you know went away then he did a double loop like a, a a horseshoe loop and he ran straight up a steep face through thick like i was on my hands and knees going uphill um on top of that was like the most trophy briar patch i've ever been in like briars diameter my thumb 12 feet tall and he was laying 20 yards into that um, oh yeah and that was clearly his bedding area um mm-hmm. so uh you see, you'll see the uh, intro. His videos now. I've done enough. He's got like his own little intro of his videos, you know, like highlights, and then it gets into the actual track of whatever story the video is. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just been really, really cool, kind of extension of of my hunting, um, and it it's it's been teaching me just a lot about what deer do, and I'm getting to see. I'm getting to track a lot more animals than I would ever do myself in a season. You know, you start tracking, I mean, you'll, you, you get on more animals than you would in 10 years, you know? Um, Quick question. Uh, you're talking about um, the deer bedding down low, um, you know, going back to their core bedding areas and some of them were down low. What, is that a lot? Is that, do you find that a lot? Them not it's, necessarily bedding up, up high? Uh it just totally. It just um, when they bed low, it's just in just it's just in the thickest, gnarliest briar stuff you can imagine. Okay, uh, and they just get into pockets of that stuff. So generally, uh, bucks around me bed high, does bed low, um, or in between. But generally, bucks bed high. 
Um, they have nice little shelves and flats, you know, up on high ridges and getting the sun up there and have it all to themselves. Um, when I think of where bucks bed, where I hunt, it, it's always high. Um, but, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, low, I mean, you know, try to find the high ground or the low ground, you know, down in the swamps where the, you know, one, one foot is above or below sea level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. So, uh, it just depends on the terrain and the deer there, you know? <laughs> um, well, uh, we're sitting a little bit over one hour here, so we'll start wrapping this bad boy up. Um, Michael, do you have any concluding thoughts or questions or anything? Um, no, I think we've hit on most of it. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you about, um, when you're talking about your calling sequences and stuff, let's say your rut normally starts like around the 20th of, you know, November, how, how far before that are you rattling or are you rattling and calling all the way up until that point? Oh yeah. That's a good question. I start, I start first weekend of November. I've had the most, my most success. I kill that video when I shot the two over the course of the weekend, that was November 2nd and 3rd that year. And so when does your rut normally kick in? Like when do you actually see chasing going on? It usually starts around then, um, around the 10th kind of you like that was somewhat early i'd say to me the prime week in tennessee where i'm at is uh like last week the ninth ninth to ninth to 20th 10th to 20th somewhere in there is when a lot of deer get killed they're moving um there's somebody grunting at us right now. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, sorry about that. I'm outside. Somebody's popping wheelies with their dirt bike right through the subdivision. Yeah, there's a buck about to run you over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they, that was the buck grunting, I'm running the other way. Right, so <laughs> he's gonna play a little game called just a tip. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, usually that 10th to 20th period, um, that's, that's a good, to me, that's kind of prime time. Um, and then, and then bucks start getting a little more, I don't want to call it locked down, but they're just, you know, they're heavier onto the does. And then, and then there's like a, a peak kind of comes in usually around here. It kind of, the second wave of the rut kind of hits mid December when those does didn't get bred, come back in. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, I tend to see bucks in mid-December more with fawns and, and really young does. Um, I tend to see them with really mature does, uh, you know, right around now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Um, Makes sense to me. Um, Damon, do you have any, any concluding thoughts or anything? Uh, no, just um, hope people enjoyed. Any questions, you can reach out to me, damonbungard at gmail.com or check out Jaeger Tracks. Um, I just can say uh, – I, I'm a fan of, I believe in a lot of people get really wrapped up on, uh, on, uh, you know, what is the score and antler points? Um, I wish there was something for style points out there because, uh, I, I do believe that there's a lot of fun ways and goals you can have in hunting and it's not all about, um, what or how, you know, you kill, um, but sometimes where and how, um, matters more can, can matter more to you, um, than what. <laughs> so, um, if you haven't tried rattling and you want to have a goal in your hunting career or, um, or add it to your rep, to your quiver, give rattling and calling a try and you might have some fun. Amen, man. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, 
after I saw your videos, this is like two years ago, after I saw your videos of you killing that one buck and using his rack to rattle in the other buck, I watched that video. I was like, God, dude, that's cool. I want to go do that. So I went to a wilderness area in Alabama, and I've already said it before. It's Chihaw Wilderness. I went there, not burning a spot. It's 8,000 acres. <laughs> Anybody who wants to get mad at me, it's 8,000 acres. But anyways, I went there, uh, and it was kind of early in, in their rut. And, I mean, I just – I went out and kind of did what you did. I had a, I had my seven mag and I went out and I was just going to bounce around and hunt off the ground. Um, cause really most of my life with a rifle, most of my hunting's been off the ground, but not mobile off the ground. I just sit in a blind or something like a little homemade blind. But that day I wanted to go out there and just walk and find something. And I just got, this is right after Christmas and my, my fiance or my girlfriend at the time, she's going to be my wife in like less than a month now. Um, Congrats. Thank you. She uh, she got me a, a Hooks Messenger grunt call, which is like a pretty nice grunt call. It's kind of expensive. So I took it out, and, man, I was walking around out there, just easing around through the woods, kind of slipping. It was nice and cold and everything. And I hear what I think is a deer walking on top of the mountain. And so I like I grunt a few times and get up against this tree. And, man, this little buck walks in. Like, he comes working in, looking around, and he's in front of me for probably five minutes, like just looking, trying to figure out where I was. And I got a shot opportunity, and I shot him at like 20 yards, and I was so shook up, man. And he was a he was a tiny little buck. I mean, I gave his antlers to my dogs. I mean, that's how small he was. But it like yeah. that the, the style points, like what you talked about, were just yeah. off the off the hinges, man. I was all shook up when I shot him. It was one of the coolest hunting experiences I'd ever had. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, and obviously you'll never forget it. So that's ultimately what we're out there after. So. Yeah, and man. uh are you yep. are you bow hunting is this bow hunting or is this rifle or a little bit of both or both I, um i've i've had them come in close um i missed a buck a couple seasons ago with a recurve i li- was literally chasing him while grunting with my recurve um, <laughs> oh, that's cool he, like he went right he walked right by me and i was like stop and he wouldn't stop and i was literally like shoved the grunt in my mouth and was like running grunting trying to get him to stop and yeah. then he, he stopped at 10 yards and i shot with my recurve and i hit a tree and the antler went the arrow went to the left and he went to the right and i'm like well that was really cool um, <laughs> um but uh usually i'm not super weapon specific it i hunt whatever season is in and it's all a function to me of the meat in my freezer and how much time i have and how many you know how much i just want to get it over with and like right now with our two-year-old in the house my hunting time somewhat limited what it used to be and um bow season i bow hunt muzzleloader comes in i muzzleloader hunt um and now that i've tagged out i'll probably bow hunt during rifle but um for does um and there's a couple in tennessee there's a couple um, bonus WMAs that don't count for the statewide limit. So I'm going to be guiding a hunt, a veterans hunt in Fall Creek Falls State Park early December. That'll be rewarding and fun. And Jaeger will be there to help and uh, <clears throat> recover deer for those guys. And then uh, there's a couple WMAs um, like Katusa that has a late rifle hunt. It's a bonus deer. Um, and there's some other places like that in Tennessee that have bonus zones. So I'll be able to hunt those. <clears throat> and there's a, there's a late season archery hunt in Fall Creek Falls too. <clears throat> That's Sweet. a bonus. Awesome, man. Well, I just want to add. I just want to add one more thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's if anybody wants to to go to that next level or or have a different kind of experience, it would definitely be ground hunting. Um, just getting a buck. Most of the time, it's really really close quarters, and I can remember my first uh, my first buck with a bow on the ground, and I would have sworn this deer was over 150 inches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he was only like 15 yards away and he was above me in elevation. And I can just remember him cresting and looking right at me, you know, at that distance. And when I got there to him, I would have sworn that that was a different buck that I shot just because yeah. your your adrenaline is pumping so much just because of of how it unfolds it right in front of you at ground level you know it's different being up in a tree like totally different yeah and I would encourage anybody to give it a shot I second that there's definitely the, the last year that Jaeger helped me find I was like man he's got like a he's got like a g2 like it's like a foot long and it's like three inches around you know <laughs> yeah. and then I got him he was a nice eight point probably you know I don't know around 100 I don't know scores but he's not he wasn't what he what I thought yeah <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter to me I was again um I uh but I remember laughing, saying to myself, because I was like, man, he's got this crazy tine, and he was like, uphill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and um, certainly, he's super, like, he's probably a three-and-a-half-year-old, nice, just eight point. Um, yeah. But honestly, again, when I am hunting like that, uh, as an excellent point, I don't, like, I don't just, ju- I, I just don't, there's no, there's no time to, like, just judge and debate. It's just like, boom, there he is. <laughs> I'm taking him. Like, it happens really fast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it is what it is. You know, people, maybe some people can be better at that, but I'm like, man, if I get one right in there and he's coming in and he looks like any kind of decent deer, I'm happy to fill my tag on. All right, everybody, that concludes the regular episode. Uh, now for the outro and now I have Mr. Jacob Myers with me. Um, uh, big shout out to Damon Bungard for coming on today. That was a really good episode, which Jacob has not heard yet. Uh, Jacob, I would ask you what your thoughts were, <laughs> but you have no idea. I have no idea. So, by the time when everybody's listening to this, it'll be the first time I'm listening to it as well. Yeah. So, but it seemed like y'all were pretty excited about it. It seemed like it turned out really well. And yeah, uh, it seems like possibly you took a lot of things he said to heart, which comes oh, to us maybe having to go to the hospital. We got a lot of things to unpack here, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got quite a bit to cover. So uh, let's let's start last week. Okay. Um, we recorded the episode on the on the truck, you know, uh, on the tailgate. We're getting ready to go hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hunt was kind of eventful. It was, it was it was eventful. You saw a hog. Yep. Right. Yeah. Let's run down there. Just was sitting there and freaking. It, it was one of those spots that nothing looked fantastic. There was feed sign all around me, so I kind of got in the middle of all of it and mm-hmm. was in the middle of this drainage. And all of a sudden, just looked over to my right and saw like some black. Like I couldn't see the body, just like legs, and they were black, like walking on the edge. And uh, anyways, thought it was like gonna be another freaking bobcat after missing one that morning <laughs> and uh turns, You're like sweet redemption yeah. here i come and turns out it was just a it was probably like a 40 50 pound like black hog oh, it was just like yeah. feeding back and forth it's like oh my god i'm like i want to kill this thing so bad <laughs> like di- like pack it out whole just put it inside of a freaking i don't know if it fit in the game bag but it would come close you make it fit and i'm like just pack the thing out whole and get ready for the barbecue and it never got close enough closest it got was like 40 44 yards maybe and uh you know hunt with a bow i need them you know i only give them like inside 35 so after a while i try to get down and uh i kind of did what you did with that with the buck we'll talk about yeah i try to get down because he was making so much noise on the side of that hill and there's like some brush in between me and him and uh, i was like you know what i think i can get down from this tree and, and sneak up there to him and shoot him with my bow and uh, i try to do it and somehow in the mix between me getting down and walk and like ease i mean going super slow like heel to toe so slow going up to him he eased off or something so 
Anyway, man, you had let down. But see, I'm on the ground, and then I, and then I climbed back up in the tree, and sitting there, and all of a sudden I get a text message from you, like I don't know if I was already climbing back down or whatever. And like I saw saw a big deer or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I was standing. I was up in the tree. It was pretty uneventful. There was seven billion ants crawling out of the tree. I was then crawling down my tether, which was terrible. I think we joked about that in the episode, mm-hmm. and it, it happened for but, sure. Yeah, I joked about it with me. Like, oh, he doesn't know trees. Put him in a hackberry or whatever. Yeah, no, it happened to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it was terrible. I was having to like whack my tether, to, like get them all off of it. I mean, they were hundreds of them. It was terrible. But thankfully, they were just little sugar ants. They weren't fire ants. So, uh, anyways, I hear like a, I'm over the swamp and I hadn't seen anything all day. And then towards dark, I hear the splash and I turn around. I'm like, there's a daggum deer in the freaking marsh. And then I throw my binos up. I'm like, oh, it's a buck. <laughs> it's a good buck. And so then I get the camera on it. And yeah, it's a good buck. He's out in the marsh, you know, pretty much at points. He was like neck deep in mud and water and just lily pads and stuff. And he went to like the most ridiculous looking little island on the map. Like, when I sent it to Mark, where I was like, hey, he went to this island, Mark just said, LOL, what? <laughs> and that's what he responded in a text message. So I was like, yeah, uh, little tiny Willow Island. He swam out there and got on it. Uh, as he was swimming to it, at first I thought he was coming back to the mainland. So I shot down out of that tree so fast and ran over there. And he got on the island instead. And I glassed the island, saw rubs on the side of it. And, uh, yeah, the buck was on the island, and I was on the mainland. And that was the end of the night, pretty much. How far was that from you? Uh, Not far. I mean, within rifle range. Within, like, very doable rifle range, like 150 yards. Yeah. Very so, good. Yeah, right. and I measured it on the map and everything. Uh, It came right by Mark. I'm pretty sure that somehow Mark spooked it, because I don't know why he would have been going to that island by himself at dark. So... Pretty sure he was in one of those like pine savanna bedding areas we were talking about, and he came out of it and got into one of these strips of timber, like in between those pine savannas and the lake. And uh, I'm I'm assuming that he either hit his ground scent or smelled him or something. He didn't like something because he, when when I saw him and saw the direction he was coming from, I'm like, oh dude, Mark had to have seen that thing, because I mean it came right from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he never saw it. He said he heard the splash but didn't look because he just assumed it was ducks or something. Mm. So, yeah, that was that was that, and uh, that was the last hunt on that parcel. Oh yeah, haven't been back since. Well, um, we did get some meat though. We did on the way back. Uh, God, that, and that was such a long drive, dude. On the, <laughs> way, on the way back, we're like we were talking there. I don't know if we were talking about, but maybe after the fact, like, man, we ain't seen no roadkill deer because you know the rut's supposed to be kicking. And yeah, because usually around the rut, there's just dead deer everywhere. It's like the best, by far, like redneck tail. Like when when the rut's happening, there's dead deer on the road. Oh yeah, like a lot all of them. over the place. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're driving, and then Jacob spots this buck dead on the side of the road. No, well, first I see a car like with the hazards on the side of the road, and then I see a buck laying in the road. I'm like, you turn, <laughs> we swinging back around. You got so pumped, you're like, oh, look at that, dude. And you turn around and we go over there and you like, we park and you run, you run into the middle of the highway and grab this thing and pick his leg up and you're like, he's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so I run out there and we drag him to the side, quarter him up, dude. Got yeah. a bunch of meat. Did it quarter him? I deboned him. I took off, uh, deboned both hind quarters, both back straps, and both neck rows. Went off each side. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
super fresh. Like that deer was like <laughs> super, super, super fresh. I was worried they was going to jump back up when we started dragging them. Yeah. And then I went to the gas station and found the lady that hit him. Yeah. She's like, she said something about hitting a deer. I was like, oh, is you that hit the deer? And she was like, yeah, it really damaged my car or something like that. And I was like, my buddy's over there cutting it up, getting some meat off of it right now. Yeah, you left me on the side of the road while getting gas. Oh, yeah, I left him on the side of the road to go get gas. And Jacob is just looking like a hobo out there, just all by himself. Covered no in bl- got blood on my arms, <laughs> got a knife in my hand, a headlamp. I'm just, like, working on deer, literally, like, feet <laughs> off the road. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was funny, man. And she was like, don't take the whole deer. The state troopers need to see it. I'm like, no, we're not taking the whole deer. We're just cutting cutting some steaks out of it. She yeah. was like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, dude, I had people like giving the stank eye when they were driving by like what is this guy doing <laughs> there was like one street light right there and they're like what what is going on <laughs> just this creepy looking guy in a street light quartering up a deer this hunt this hunched over on top of it yeah <laughs> i'm sure that was very uncomfortable especially for yeah anybody over there yeah but, but dude got a lot of meat off him yeah yeah dude man and so then neither of us have hunted really until yesterday which was opening day of gun season in alabama yesterday being what's the date 23rd. So 23rd, Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we hunt yesterday, and my hunt didn't last that long for reasons. What What about your hunt? My hunt lasted a long time, but it was very, rainy. It was like, talking about embrace the suck times like a freaking hundred. Dude, I'm not kidding. Jacob, when we met up that morning, Jacob put on waders and a, like a frog dog rain jacket, and that's what he hunted in. Like he wasn't crossing a creek. He yeah. was just hunting in waders. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was raining. Well, yeah, because I didn't know really what I was gonna do. I didn't know if I was gonna be hiking through some real thick stuff or what. So, but yeah, I put those uninsulated waders on, which worked out fantastic. Uh, just the the frog tog jacket let me down about <laughs> about two and a half hours into a massive rainstorm. <laughs> Sprung a leak and yeah. had some puddles around his elbows yeah, inside of the jacket. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and like I got so wet because I was wearing like that thin Badlands shirt uh, underneath it, and like when it gets wet, like you really don't notice it. To be honest, yeah, like it's just like the materials made out of you. Like you just don't notice it. Yeah, and I wasn't noticing my forearms were wet, and I go to like I was doing something like calling you, and I pulled my both hands up to like like adjust my hood of my jacket because I mean it was I mean it was raining so hard you couldn't see at times. No joke, you couldn't see over like seventy five yards. Yeah, and like in like sparse timber. I yeah. mean, it was ridiculous. It was um, crazy. And I, I pulled my arms up, and I was like, adjust my hood. And all of a sudden, I could feel all this water <laughs> rushing into my elbow. And like I was like, oh, God. And it, was, it was very uncomfortable. It was cold water, too. Yeah, it, it was, was a cold rain. Super cold. And uh, anyways, I was like, dang it, man. But uh, let's talk about what happened to you, because you, you, you didn't say the words nearly as long as I did. No. What a wuss. All right, so we had just recorded this episode like the day before, or, so, or two days before this hunt. Yep. All right? And anybody who's still listening right now just heard what Damon was saying about rattling and sounding real and making noise and breaking brush and doing all this stuff, just like being as real as you can. And that's like what Adrian and them were talking about too. So we're out there and it's like windy and the place I was going would be like super conducive to rattling because you're kind of in the thicket. You know, there's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a primary bedding area, but deer bed in it sometimes Mm -hmm. for sure. And so I'm like, I need to rattle in here. So <laughs> I get set up in these short pines. You can see up underneath them pretty good, but they're not really tall enough to put a tree stand in. So I'm in there and waiting for like a break in the wind. I can see scrapes down beneath me that are fresh. I'm like, yeah, 
this is about to happen. So I get I get my rattle bag, and the wind dies down, and I jump up really quick, and I like run forward about mm, 10 to 15 yards in front of my setup just to like put some distance between me and where I'm actually sitting. And I start rattling, and I'm starting to break limbs and kick brush and everything, like making it sound like a buck fight, just like what – and I'm trying to, you know, make imitate the same sounds Damon talked about. And I'm doing this, and all the limbs on these pine trees are so saturated with water that I'm, like, breaking them, and then it's, like, silent. They're not making any noise at all. So I'm like, crap. So then I turn around, and if you watch the Instagram story, you already know where this is going. I turn around, and I see an ant bed. Like a big old ant bed. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kick that thing, and there's gonna it's gonna send dirt flying everywhere, and it's gonna sound great. It's gonna sound really real. So I straight up like NFL field goal kick this ant bed. Well, turns out <laughs> it was built around a pine stump, <laughs> <laughs> and so so I kick it, and it just stops my foot dead cold, dude. It's, I might as well have kicked I thought it was a rock for the longest time, and then I went back over there after the fact and looked at it and found it. But, yeah, I was like, I just kicked a rock. And so <laughs> I kick it, and it hurt. And I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. And this is the one day I didn't wear those Loa boots, which are, like, stiff as crap. It wouldn't have been an issue if yeah. I was wearing those. Yeah. I was wearing the uh, lacrosse snake boots, which are, like, pieces of rubber. And they're just, like, don't protect your foot at all. So, yeah, I kicked that thing, and it hurt, but I keep calling. I'm like, ow, that really hurt. That didn't feel good. And about, like, two or three steps in, I'll, like, stomp my foot. I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) And so I, like, hobble back up to my setup, and I, like, hit the dirt, and I'm, like, laying there, and it is, like, throbbing, shooting up my leg. I was like, I think I just broke my foot. (laughs) Dude, it, it hurt bad, man. And I sat there, and I had to, like, get my shoe off and everything. And I was, like, basically laying there face down. In the rain. In the rain. And I was like, Jesus, my foot hurts so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so that wasn't good. I called Tiffany and told her. I was like, hey, I think I just broke my toe. (laughs) And she was like, what? Where's Jacob? I was like, I don't know. And she was like, call Jacob right now. He needs to come help you. I'm like, what's he going to do? Carry me out of the woods? So I didn't call you. And then, yeah, and, and then I'm sitting at this point. I guess I I thought I had my phone on Do Not Disturb, uh, just so it wasn't like vibrating or anything. And I had it so those waiters actually has like a chest pocket, like right on your chest. Mm-hmm. And I'm, dude, it is like at this time it's like eight eight o'clock. Okay, it is raining so hard. I'm like trying to get under these pine trees. I mean, I'm <laughs> like my my backpack's soaked. Okay. Thank God I did not I did not bring camera gear at all. Like this wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. But I am completely like everything around me is wet. It's raining so hard. I can't see seventy five yards. There's waterfalls coming down the pine trees. Yeah, so and that's what I told y'all yesterday. I was walking through these pines and it literally it, it I wish I was I was able to film it and I was gonna try to pull my phone out, but it, my I didn't want to get my phone soaking wet. I don't have a case on it. and uh, But it literally looked like someone was taking a garden hose on top of these pine trees and this our fire hydrant and just was like rushing water down the side of them. It was raining that hard. And I'm like, oh, this sucks, dude. Yeah. Like this really, really sucks. And uh, I had scope caps on that gun, on my rifle, and also I taped the muzzle too, just in, I mean, just so I didn't have water yeah. down in there. And uh, 
my phone, my, my chest kept like, it kept <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the, what is going on? I'm like, well, I haven't checked my phone in a while. Let me, let me look at it. So I like, I like tar- put my back into the wind in the rain with the hood and like slip, unzip my jacket a little bit, just so I could get it. And like, I pull up and the rain's is like pounding my phone and pounding me. And I'm like trying to look at it like, like two inches from my face. And I see Tiffany's texting me like three times. And uh, let me, I want to read word for word where she said, oh, because oh the way she said it, I was like, oh my God, Andrew's like dying right now. <laughs> oh I'm like, I need to like, we need like a medevac him out. Cause I'm like, I know where he is, but I'm like, I don't know how his, how he's, you know, laying there, <laughs> what the situation is. Yeah. So listen, okay. This is what she sent me at, she sent me this at seven thirty too. So I didn't notice this for 30 minutes. Yeah. So she was freaking <sighs> out. Yeah. She like said, I said, my hunt didn't last long. Seven thirty. Yeah. yeah. She's. <laughs> She, she said, Andrew hurt himself. He's very lightheaded. And now I'm really worried. Can you go check on him? Please. Okay. Will you, will you, can you go check on him? Okay. Next text, please. Two seconds later, please. With a question mark. And I'm like, I'm like oh God. Well, I just instantly think, I'm like, did he fall down? Did he hit his head? I'm like, what did he do? And I'm like, I, no, it's never, much more stupid than that. And I'm like, I couldn't understand. I was like, I couldn't even think. I didn't even think about like you rattling and like trying to. And I, I don't know. And that call you, and the service is so bad. You're like, well, well now we're well now we're getting ahead of ourselves. You didn't call me till way after the fact. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, so well, anyways, I get off the phone with her. I'm like, I'm just gonna limp back to the truck. And so I laid there for a minute, like, and just it, it dude. I mean, it hurt bad. I was like, I definitely just broke my foot or my toe or something. And so I just laid there for a while. And I took my boot off and kind of let it breathe for a minute, and it swelled way up. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. So then I just pack up my stuff, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to limp out of the woods, and I'm going to go glass or something like that. Or I'm going to go, like, park next to a gas line and, like, walk 10 feet and sit on the side of the gas line until Jacob comes out of the woods uh, with my boot off. So I get up, and I start limping back to the truck. And I'm, like, hardcore limping, dude, like, gimpy as crap. <laughs> it's pretty bad. And so I get back to the truck and uh, I like, I take my boot off again. And uh, then I get back on the phone with Tiffany and she's like, Oh, Tiffany used to dance in like high school and stuff. She used to be a dancer. And she was like, Oh, yeah, in ballet or whatever, our toes would like, you know, get popped out of place. So you just need to pull on it. So I was like, Okay. So I pulled on it. That was the wrong thing to do. It yeah, made right. it hurt a lot worse. Um, so then I drove around, took my sock off, didn't have any ice, so I just got out and stood in a puddle for a while. It was really cold. <laughs> Trying to help the swelling. And then and then you call me like, I don't know, two hours later. I called it like eight, eight thirty, something like that. Whenever I finally checked my phone. <laughs> and yeah, and like I could tell you seemed like you were at the truck because the way you were talking. And you seemed fine, like on the phone, like, oh yeah, hey, hey. And I'm like, are you okay? And like, you, the service was crappy as heck. Like, I don't know if you picked up. And all I hear is like, yeah, I had to pop it back in place. And I'm like, I'm like, did he dislocate a knee, a shoulder? What happened, man? And that's all. That's all I could hear is like, I had to, I had to pop it back in place. And I'm like, oh god, dude. And then like the, then it dropped. But I knew you're at the car. I'm like, okay, well, he's fine. I think he can suffer at the car. I don't think he's like life and death. I'm like, I'm gonna keep hunting. And when I called you, I was actually in a really good spot. I found a bench in those pines where there was just a ton of scrapes that were fresh, probably from that night before. You could tell how, how well they were worked out. But it was raining so hard, they turned into freaking puddle, like massive yeah. puddles. Yeah. And, I mean, 
it was that was ridiculous. I was so I mean, I was wet from sweat because those waiters don't breathe at all. But there was a certain point where like the shoulders on the jacket, like with a backpack on, somehow water like seeped through. And oh, I could yeah. feel it running down my back and I'm like, This sucks. <laughs> and the rain didn't really stop until probably it was off and on, but it didn't like legit stop until probably like ten o'clock or so. Yeah. And then it was pretty it wasn't really anything going on it was just high winds but uh, i just still hunted around dude i did not see a single deer which was kind of a bummer yeah i didn't either because I, I was fully expecting to like have a buck walk out like while still hunting through these pines just, like ease around through these pines looking for does and this didn't happen but yeah yeah you get back and your foot's all jacked up and funny thing is we had to leave at like twelve thirty because yep. you, you made it back to the house uh for your bachelor party yeah. This is why we were in Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just, like, totally screwed up my toe, went home, tried to uh, ice it and everything. And it's not actually my toe. It's, like, the big toe. It's, like, the joint that comes up from the big toe, like the ball of your foot, I guess. And uh, it's, like, all swollen, and it's, like, kind of purple a little bit. And it's, like, these weird colors. I'm like, yep, that's not right. Um, and so then I text Michael because Michael works at a hospital. And I asked him, he's like, uh, I was like, hey, I don't know if I broke it or if I jammed it or if I sprained it or what, um, but what do you think I should do? He said, I think you should suck it up. I was like, cool. <laughs> he's like, yeah, there's not much they could do for that. So I was like, okay. And so, yeah, then we went to Mississippi for my bachelor party. And, uh, yeah, I hobbled around Mississippi for that a was, few hours. That was so funny. <laughs> Listen, all right, all right, so, I, so I, 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 got, I got to let everybody know. All right, so we went to Biloxi. Okay? Everybody thought we were deer hunting, and I probably should have said that in the yeah. Instagram, but I didn't. So yeah. we, weren't, we weren't hunting. We, we went over there. To, Wish we were hunting. There's some cool-looking stuff down there. There was some cool stuff. Really cool-looking stuff. Trying to find some gators on the way over. But went to Biloxi to the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, casino, and hotel. And Andrew is walking around. Like, I mean, it looks like, dude, <laughs> like you're an ampu- like a new amputee. Okay? No, it looks like I just got hit by a car outside. Dude, like just hot. I mean, it was bad. I felt. And you're like, God, it hurts so bad. Dude, I've, and I've never been to like a casino or anything like that. It's not my, it's not my scene. Really? I'm just, dude, all I like to do is deer hunt, so hey. I've never... I've <laughs> all never, I like to do is deer hunt. Dude, all so I, I like to do is hunt. Like, I don't go to bars, I don't go to casino, I don't do anything. And so we're at this casino, and everyone there is like... Most of the people there were like kind of kind of spiffed up a little bit. They had some sports coats on and stuff. A lot of people did. And I have a flannel on with no undershirt, <laughs> and my jeans are like... So I, I, I brought my boots, which was stupid. I shouldn't have worn those. And uh, But I couldn't lace them up because it hurt too bad. So I just wrapped the lace around my legs and, like, tucked it into the boot. And then I tucked my jean into the boot to keep the laces there. And so I'm, like, bad limping around this place. Like, I can hardly walk. Like, I've, I should legit have had, like, a walking cane or something. Or just a wheelchair. Dude, and I'm like, I'm, like, hobbling through here, jeans all, like, weird looking and messed up, tucked in my boots. And I got my flannel on. With no undershirt, and I'm wearing my hat, and, and yeah. Yeah, he's rocking the Southern Outdoorsman hat. Rocking the Southern Outdoorsman hat, and everyone there was probably like, who is this hillbilly? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was terrible. There was, there was one guy, remember, do you remember the one point where, like, I don't know if y'all were on some slots or whatever, we were sitting there, and all of a sudden this guy and his, like, this guy, I guess his wife or girl, anyways, came through, and he was, like, all camoed up, like, he just came from the woods. Oh, Did you yeah, see that? Yeah. And, like, I know, like, I looked at Zach, we were, like, sir, nodding our heads, like, me, yes, sir. Yeah, me and Zach, all, <laughs> he walked past us, and we all three looked at each other, we're like, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that guy. Yeah, I, I like, I like his, uh, his effort. 
uh, he ain't changing coming from the woods. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so we we stayed up last night, had a good time. It was a great party. And mm-hmm. then uh, woke up early this morning, got some coffee and some breakfast, Dennis, drove back up here and hunted again. Yep. So I am running on E. I am tired. See, I slept the whole way. So. Yeah, no, I did not. Um, but to tie, tie, this, tie a bow around this, um, we went back and hunted the same area that I sprained my toe or did whatever I did in and where Jacob hunted. Um, and it's like these little pines. And why don't you explain, we'll close with this because people could get something out of this, I think. Those pines, what are they like up underneath? Most of them, uh, they're old enough now. Like, I mean, you could get a, a lock on it, but you're going to be, you're going to be like 10 feet up. Maybe, and there's a couple places because the terrain you could do it and be able to see down the hills, and it'd be it would be a pretty decent setup. Other times, like when it's flat, if it's flat, you can't get up in a tree because you have so many limbs in front of you. Mm-hmm. This is no advantage. But on the ground, I mean, in some spots you can see. I mean, there was places out there when I was hunting the day before. I mean, you could see 200 yards on down some of the really big hills and stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, but the vegetation is very sparse. I mean, it's a lot of. Um, it's just mostly pine straw. There's places where there's a little bit of privet. There's places where there's some green briar. Uh, and there's every now and then there's a little thicket inside of it. But there's parts of it that are a little thicker than others. But where we were at, we were kind of, you know, you know, on the bottom side of all that, trying to ease out to, I don't know, if, I don't know how much information I want to give out yeah. on it. Yeah. We went out to, we went to a certain area uh, to try to get a visual and some stuff. And uh, it's a place that we've seen a bunch of deer before. Uh, I know I've seen a bunch of deer in that spot that we went to tonight. I know you said you hunted before. I've not hunted. Well, we, we could we could we could say it it's a gas line. Okay, yeah. So with the gas line, uh, you know, it's fairly open. You know, there's there's some brush, but it's you know it's fairly open. And uh, there's a point that we sat up on where you can kind of like watch up over. You know, you over- watch a hill in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And and, th- and this hill, I'll say. Like, so on on our left, there's, like, some pines. There's some, like, good bedding up there, mm-hmm. like, really good bedding, uh, which is just, like, kind of younger pines, but they, they're still really thick underneath. Mm-hmm. And then also the hardwoods are kind of sparse. And it's just nice, just a really nice thick area over there. And then the way it kind of funnels down to where me and you were hunting yesterday. And there's plenty of sign in there. And while deer probably do bed in that stuff some, I think most of that's probably night sign. I think they come down and go into that stuff. Yeah, and then maybe sometimes you know buckle cruise around in there in the daytime or whatever. That's what I was wondering too, because uh, we've actually we actually have a listener of the podcast uh, who's hunted this exact same spot, uh, Clint, and uh, it's it's an area that there's not there's not a ton of great bedding in there, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that they're not necessarily bedding in those pines. They're maybe moving through them in nights and mornings and you know stuff like that, but they're coming from like other directions they're coming from different areas where there's more there's more cover yeah and uh you know kind of like what we've seen in the past it kind of makes sense um but we had a we had a mix up with a deer yeah right at i mean pretty much right at closing time yeah right uh we kind of i i don't know he probably smelled us he might have seen us i don't know but yeah, he came down out of the good bedding and he was heading right to those pines that we hunted in yesterday that's the the direction he was going. Whether or not he was going to that actual spot, I don't know. But that's the direction he was going. And I didn't see him. This is like getting dark. And uh, 
I had my binos up and I was looking and Jacob was saying something. We were like whispering back and forth and it, he didn't hear us. He was like a hundred something yards away. And so I'm looking at him, but I don't see him. I have no idea there's a deer standing there. And, uh, cause it's like right at dark and the sun glare is kind of messing with it a little bit. And then out of nowhere, it just blows and turns around and runs off. And he's like right on the left side of my like periphery, like right in the, like that part of the bino, like where I'm looking I can see him like jump up. I was like, "Oh, great!" There's oh, a deer. oh, I didn't realize you were looking through your binos at that time. Yeah, yeah. No, I was al- I was already looking like directly at him, and then he ran, and that's when I saw him. Is when he moved. Like I had no idea he was there because I I think that I was looking at the top of the hill, and I just like panned down to that spot to look at it, and uh, yeah, and he got up and took off and blew at us. He had a manly blow too, man. Yeah, that was weird. a joke. It wasn't like a high pitched like like. Whew, whew. He was like. Whew. Yeah that, yeah, that was interesting. Dude, and he blew like eight times and then ran off. Heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaker. Yeah, it was kind of, again, that's a really good spot. It's just, God, it's tricky. Tricky with winds and thermals and everything else there. Mm-hmm. Really, you really need to hunt it. Well, no, I won't say that. You need to hunt mm-hmm. a specific wind. Very specific. Very specific. Yeah, so. that's all I need to know. Yeah. Another thing, there's there is like a really steep hill right there, right on the side of this gas line, and there's a there's rocks all on it, and there's rocks funneling pretty dang well. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, he funneled right around them because we heard him. I think we heard him come down out of those that bedding area because mm-hmm. we had heard something right before we we saw him, and we thought there there was a deer coming, uh, and then we didn't hear him for a while. And I think that he got to the edge of that gas line and just stood there for a while. Yeah, and then I don't know if he saw us. I was wearing a flannel, like, and not like a red flannel. Like this Joker is like, what, white, blue, blue, touch of yellow, and a touch of yellow. <clears throat> so he might have seen me sitting there. He might have seen like my outline or something because we weren't really hid that well. Yeah, maybe. I also think that there's probably been. I don't know if there's been another guy hunting it since the the season opened, but I'm sure there's been people in that area. Mm-hmm. So deer's probably on very high alert coming out into that area. So he's probably yeah. probably going, you know, being a lot more cautious than normal. But anyway, um, yeah, it's been awesome. So this week, I know you're going to have pretty much the whole week to be able to hunt. Um, well, depending on the whole foot situation. Yeah, so, yeah, whether or not I can get in the trees, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I think later in the week, I think I'll be able to. Mm-hmm. I just got to make sure I don't screw it up anymore. Yeah, don't be pulling on it. No. Yeah, don't be pulling on it and stumping it on things and doing whatever else. So, yeah. I, but um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's a work in progress. We're going to we're gonna focus on this one spot, this one area, and just kind of hammer down on it, I think, and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we ought to kind of keep that going because there's so many – there's so much sign and history in this one area that we're hunting that I feel like if we really do focus on it the whole year without like jumping around too much, I feel like we're going to be able to not only get really good shot shot opportunities, but I think we'll be able to kill a really good deer uh, or yeah. two in, in the in that area. Well, I mean, man, if we hadn't spooked that thing, yeah, he would have walked into that wide open little patch, like perfect lane. It's about ten fifteen yards wide, mm-hmm. wide open, hundred yards, mm-hmm. seven mag. That'd have been great. A little over 100. No, that's farther than 100, but about 150 right there at that spot. But yeah, I mean that deer. God, it's amazing. It's amazing how 
especially during public land or even private land, you know, they don't get old by being dumb. They don't get old by uh, just worrying mm-hmm. about coyotes. They have a lot of experiences, you know, dealing with people. So they're very yeah. tricky. Um, trying to think there was something else. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what you find this week because I've got to work this week. And see what you find getting out there and see if we can put any kind of pattern, especially checking that trail camera, uh, hopefully tomorrow or whenever. Yeah. Uh, that'll be legit. Awesome. We got anything else we need to Not cover really. to wrap it up? No. Um, everyone share us with a buddy. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. It's a ginormous help to us. Mm-hmm. Big time. And yeah. leave us a review. Yeah, if you again, if you enjoy the podcast, of course, share it with a buddy. Uh, you know, just tell them that you know, hey, I enjoy it, or you know, you enjoy it, and you know, it's worth listening to. And uh, yeah, leave us a review. We we really enjoy that, uh, especially on iTunes, it helps us out. And uh, yeah, awesome guys. It's gonna be a fun week. Hopefully, we gotta grind some deer, uh, grind some meat up for some sausages. We're gonna grind like fifty pounds of meat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. <clears throat> so it's gonna be a good time. Uh yep, and don't uh don't kick ant beds and pine forests, everybody. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got. Uh have a good week if you're hunting. Good luck. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it, you're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.